we as believers have something unique, unlike the world. We don't look to people for strength. We look to our Creator for strength. And so in doing that, I'm going to talk this week and next week and just have a conversation with you about some things that I think matter, that the church needs to be reminded of and embrace because it's how we honor God. And um, so I want that this week and next week, we're going to talk about this thing, a matter of respect. Respect is to honor someone, to treat them as they have value. Uh, and, and so in doing that, I think one of the greatest challenges today is to demonstrate respect. In the midst of adversity, in the midst of disagreement, respect, because it's important to God. I, uh, this past week, if you're not a, a golf fan, this means nothing to you, but I'll try to get you up to speed real quick. This weekend, we're playing the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup is a golf t- uh, tournament that's, uh, that's played every two years, and it's the U.S. versus Europe, and the best players of Europe play the best players, the best 12 players of the United States, and they come together, and they play different formats, and, and obviously the goal is to win. It's become very competitive, and uh, basically Europe's been beating us pretty consistently. So it's a big deal. But what does happen, it is, a, it is all golf has always been a gentleman's game and a game of respect for your rival or your competitor. And you'll say things like, as a great shot, or you compliment them when they win, you take your hat off, you shake their hand at the end of the round, and it is one of uh, respect. Well, this past week, uh, Danny Willett, who was the Masters champion from England, his brother made a statement that became highly publicized, and he, he wrote it, he, he made it to be publicized. Basically, he said, Americans are fat, stupid, and greedy. And I took offense at that because I'm not greedy or stupid. <laughs> but, but I thought, how disrespectful. How disrespectful to make such a statement. And his brother, Danny, was, uh, spent two days apologizing for him. He went to the captain of the, pres- of, the, of the Ryder Cup U.S. and said, look, I'm so sorry. That, that was not right because it was disrespectful. And yet I find our culture thinks that's good, that we could be disrespectful. And, and yet there, the Bible talks about respect in every area of life. Honor uh, Palmer, who was one of the greats of golf, who made golf what it is today, uh, had died this past week and um, when he was in his prime and he had Arnie's army and literally thousands of people loved this man and followed this man. He was a master's champion. He was, a, he was a, an incredible majors champion. A new guy comes on the scene named Jack Nicholas, and he is, becomes his rival and, uh, and he was, they became great rivals throughout the career, both of them. And Arnie was always frustrated and felt very bad about the rudeness of his fans to Jack Nicholas. He didn't think that was right. He didn't think they should be rude. It always bothered him. So it's not a new thing. That goes back 30-something years. But I do want to talk about how respect works in certain areas of our life today and, and kind of draw a picture for you because here's what I know. Respect is a key 
for order in every area of life. If we do not know how to be respectful to what God has established and what he does in others, then we will not have much order around us. Disrespect produces chaos in all areas of life. The thing about disrespect is it never stays contained. It flows into all the areas of life and all the people around you. So respect is the key if you want to have order. God said, I've given you this tool, this key, and if you'll use it, it'll bring order to your life in every area, whether it's family, church, or nation. But if you become disrespectful as a people, you'll only have chaos. And it'll touch everything around you. So, I want to share two thoughts with you. The first one is this. Respect for God's institutional servants is essential for order and peace in society. And actually, it reflects honor for God. God uh, put three institutions in place. Family, government, and church. He established those for the purpose of carrying out his plan, his agenda, his purpose, to reflect who he is in humanity and how he works. And so, and he put these things in place. Now, if I understand what God has done for government, I need to understand my responsibility. So look at what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 13. And I'll just go through this with you. Everyone, he's talking to believers, not talking to lost people. But he said everyone, but also he's saying to the believers, you first and foremost, everyone should do this. But especially those who know God, understand how God works, understand God's framework for life should do this. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. Now, why is he saying this? Because at this time, Rome was the governing authority, and they were a pagan government. Man, they were, they were, they were, uh, they were polytheistic in worship. Uh, their value system for morality was really far different from Christianity. And while Rome had not yet become horribly uh, violent to the church, it was moving that way. And there was some, what do we do? We don't agree with Rome. We don't agree with their ideology and philosophy. And so do we revolt? Do we rebel? What do we do? And Paul is saying, look, submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. Now, what does that mean? Does God establish authorities? Does he ordain everything they do? No. He ordains the process. He put in place government to rule humanity. And some governments become very evil, influenced by darkness. God doesn't ordain that. He allows that because he puts nations in place. He puts governments in place. And when they run their course, they're no longer in place because God is in control. And, and so and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Now, that's kind of sometimes tough for us because we think if God placed them, they'd be kind of perfect and be like us. And that's not always the case. You look at the four world empires, uh, Babylon. That was God's instrument of, of punishment and judgment against his people who've become idolatrous. He said, I'm going to raise up a nation that's going to take you out of this land, and, and you're going to learn from it. They're going to change your course of behavior and action. 
And he used Babylon to, to basically discipline his people. And then the Mede-Persian Empire came, and he let that empire release his people back into the promised land. And again, God's accomplishing his purpose. Every government that's ever existed has been a part of God accomplishing his purpose. Some governments exist for evil. Right now, governments are existing for evil. But yet, they're moving toward the end time. I don't schedule with God's timetable. So, he said, look, I, I've allowed, I placed some people in place. The, the Greek Empire, Alexander the Great, came and conquered the world as, as he would know it. And, and, and they gave us the Greek language. That became very emphatic in understanding in the writing of the New Testament. You had no doubt what God was saying through the writers of the New Testament because the language was very specific, unlike any language before it. And then the Roman Empire comes and creates amazing capacity for trade and roads, and all of a sudden the gospel had an easy way of being carried around the world. Did God condone the behavior of the Roman leadership? No. But he wanted believers to be respectful to the place of authority, the position of authority. If they abuse it, God would take care of that. And if there came a time to do something about it, God would lead in that. That'll be, I'll talk about that next week. So, anyway, uh, the position of authority has been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. Meaning, if you go against the authority, they're going to come down on you. Next verse. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. What does that mean, Pastor? If the speed limit is 55 and you're driving 80 and you pass the state patrol, you have just become afraid, haven't you? Don't lie to me. Uh, yeah, you say, because all of a sudden you're afraid because you've broken the law. And if the light starts flashing, you really are afraid because they're going to give you a ticket. Uh, and you, Because they're there to keep you from breaking the law, from driving too fast, from hurting someone or hurting yourself. And they stand there, as a, the law's there, and they enforce the law. And because they enforce the law, if you break the law, you kind of say, I'm afraid. If I do something I shouldn't do, I, 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 will, I will end up perhaps in trouble. Okay? So he said, would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right and they will honor you. But obey the laws. They're there for your protection. Next verse. The authorities are God's servants. Wow. Sent for your good. Are they all believers? No, they're not. But they're a part of God's plan for the end of the ages. And so, uh, sent for your good, but if you are doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid. For if they have, they have power to punish you. And they are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. If you steal something, you should get punished. If you hurt someone, you should, you break the law in doing that, you should have some kind of punishment. So he's saying you respect these that have been put in place to bring order to society. Okay. Next verse. So you must submit to them, military term, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience, to be right with God. 
to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. So I, I say that to say, okay, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that we need to practice respect for those that God has put over us to protect us. Now, is there, is there some people who are abusive? Absolutely. Is there people who are horribly wrong? Absolutely. And there is a, sometimes a tension between God's, uh, God's law and man's law. And when there is the conflict, we as believers must yield to God's law, knowing that we must suffer the consequence. For example, if it became illegal to have public worship, if the law said you can no longer have public worship, God says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So somewhere we could have worship. It may be in someone's house, maybe in some, some other place, but we would come together and worship. And because it's against the law, they may come and put us in prison, and we would suffer. But we're obeying God's law over man's law. But there is a time where you have to obey God rather than man. But for the most part, most of the laws are there because they protect your, 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 your life and your possessions. And should be done so. So it should be respected and honored in doing so. So it keeps order and peace in society. Uh, and in doing that, God has put them there. So I want to say this in light because I, I talk about this every other day with people. People ask me this all the time. What about what's going on in America? What about what's happening in our streets and in our cities and Baltimore and Dallas and, and, and for, for all these things? I got that. Well, guys, I'm going to tell you, there is no biblical basis for riot in the Bible. Uh, there isn't. And I'm very grateful for those pastors who are speaking out against that. Uh, and say, no, no, what, what is this thing with riot? Because riot is a disrespect to authority. Vandalism is a disrespect of property that breaks the law of those in authority. Violence is a disrespect for the lives of people. And those, when those police were, were, were horrifically murdered in Dallas, that was an act of violence against the law. But more, more tragically, it was as much as that death, it became an attitude of disrespect that spread throughout our country. For somehow, people seemed to validate that behavior was okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's a disrespect of what God has put in place. For his servants who's put there to stand on a wall, to stand in a gap, and protect peace and order in society. Are there people that abuse that? Yes. Are people that, that are corrupt? Yes. And you deal with those in the process of law. But we respect the government that God has established, for it has its purpose in his timetable. It may not be Christian in its intent or behavior, but it is a part of his process. And I'll honor God as I honor those he's put in authority over me. If there's a conflict of his law versus our law, I yield to his law and suffer the consequence, whatever that may be. The early church, many were put to death because they would not compromise their confession of Christ. Rejecting the lordship of Caesar. Huh. Say, Pastor, this is just not what we really like to hear. I understand that. But it's what we need to hear. Doesn't mean you cannot disagree. I think you can protest. I think you can speak truth. I think you can have dialogue. I think you certainly can vote. I think there's things we do. But disrespect is not one of the things we do. While we may be against 
the abortion of the unborn child, we do not have the right to go and bomb abortion clinics. You understand that? That's wrong. It breaks the law. It damages our witness and our influence. And therefore, it puts a shame to our God. Paul is saying, guys, respect your government. Render to Caesar what Caesar, render to God what's God. That's what Jesus taught. You do the things that honor your government, always honoring God first and foremost, but the best way to honor God is honor your government. And, and so the question is, what we're seeing taking place today is an is a issue of respect, a matter of respect, and the opposite side is a, a horrible display of disrespect. To disrespect the established authority is to disrespect God. It can only bring judgment of self-destruction. Because if there is no authority in place and no one to enforce law and order, there is only chaos and anarchy. And everyone's at danger. I... um, I think respect for our nation is it is as important because God established it at a time he saw the need to put another country in place and he worked to do that by his sovereignty according to the testimony of our forefathers our founding fathers and so anyway so he says you know so now we have a purpose we became a major arm of evangelism and, and God has done some amazing things with the freedom of our nation and that should be appreciated and respected. And yet I see a shifting of mindset that is troubling, and I don't want it to influence the church. Paul didn't want to influence the church either. And we need to be respectful. We don't have to agree. We can voice our disagreement. We can pray about our disagreement. That'd be actually more important. But we must operate in respect because that's how we honor God and by our respect they realize there's something about our God that's significant even if they don't like us something happened while I was on vacation we, we have a place we go to that every year it's a, it's a big event and they do a lobster tournament and they fish and guys divers come in and bring in huge lobsters and they have a big contest and it's a big deal we, we go up three or four days and We've gone now like four years, and we we see people we know and re- recognize, and uh, you know we were we were next to uh, we put our tent up next to a group from Nashville, and we got to talk to them every day. And they were pretty cool, and, and uh, man, we got to talk about Jesus. Some was pretty awesome. And then somebody from Louisiana was on the other side of us, and we would just talk and share things and and relax. And this is one of the few times when boats come in from all over and kind of anchor about about from here to the wall off the beach. Because it's a big deal. And, and there's, every year there's this guy who comes up. It's a really nice boat. I mean really nice. And he comes up and he plays his music. And I always wonder how many batters is he pumping into that thing. Because he plays for like four or five hours. And, and it's loud. It's, it's just enjoyable music. you know. It's, but it, and he's just playing and having a good time. And everybody on the beach is enjoying it. But once during the day, every year he does this, once during the day, he plays the national anthem. I mean, he kind of goes from, you know, Mustang Sally to, you know, 
national anthem. And let me tell you something happens. Now, people are on the beach, and they're kind of, they're laying on their towels or lounge, you know, back in their lounge chairs, or maybe they're eating, and they're having a good time, and they're talking. When he starts playing, as he did this year, people stopped, stood up. People got off their blanket, got out of their chair. Hey, all race, all gender, Young and old just stood. Did everybody, yeah, some were not paying attention. But an overwhelming majority stood and put their hand over their heart. Whether they were in the water goofing off, they stopped. And they listened to the national anthem. And they showed respect for a nation that was formed by the sovereignty of God. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. I do not agree with the disrespect that's taking place today in the order of protest. I think protest is fine. Freedom of voice is absolutely part of our nation. Grateful for that. But that doesn't entitle us to be disrespectful in our behavior or our attitude. And that's a concern. And I don't want it to bleed over into the body of Christ. It changes how we should do things as believers who are part of a greater kingdom. And to honor that kingdom, we honor what God has established visibly in front of us. The last thing is this. Respect for God's spiritual servants is essential for a peaceful and productive relationship with God. It reveals reverence for God. Certainly as we honor those that he's put in position over us, we honor him when we honor them. But there's something else. There's spiritual servants. And this is essential for a peaceful and productive relationship with God directly. And this is where we show our reverence for God as we show our reverence for his spiritual leaders. Both a, a, a scripture and an illustration in the same thing. Second Kings chapter 2, verse 23, Elisha. Elijah was the prophet before him who was translated into heaven. And Elisha now is taking the mantle, double portion, going out going to do twice the miracles. Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel, the house of God. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. The word boys is kind of a little uh, misleading for our time and culture. That was young men, probably college aged up to maybe 30. Okay, young men. Knew right and wrong. Knew better. And, and, and they came up and perhaps had been talking about Elisha and talking about stuff and making fun of him. And so uh, they came up from town mocking and making fun of him personally in his face. Go away, baldy, they chanted. Go away, baldy. Incidentally, calling people bald in that culture was kind of bad. That was really insulting. Elisha turned around and looked at them. And this gets people, see, most people don't even read this. They go, man, this is kind of scary, Pastor. We don't know about this verse. Let me explain it to you. Elisha turned around and looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. That's important. In other words, God impressed upon him to do this. He didn't want to act on his own. He was saying, okay, the Lord says, I've got to teach these young men a lesson. They have been disrespectful to my prophet, to my servant to the one I've given them for direction and leadership. 
to point them in the right relationship to me. They have been disrespectful to my prophet, and they've been disrespectful to me. And now, Elisha, I want you to pronounce this curse that I may discipline them, that I may change their heart, change their direction, and change their life. And so he said, okay. He cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. I don't know if they died. I don't know how many might have died. We don't know. We just know they were mauled. Here's what I do know. When that day was over and they drugged themselves home to their wives or to their friends and they got bandaged up for the rest of their days, they would look down and see scars of their disrespect and they'd never forget it. And I bet they never made fun of Elisha again. Guarantee they didn't. I am concerned there is a huge disrespect for the servants of God today. The world makes fun of us, and people laugh at us, and they discredit us. They call us ignorant and foolish because we believe the Bible. We share truth, and we're hated for it. They try to figure out how to kind of captivate us. And there's a disrespect for the men of God today and, and the servants and leaders of God in the church, men and women that are trying to lead and serve as his instruments of grace. And there's a huge disrespect. And sometimes in our churches there's a disrespect. Sometimes we'll make fun of our pastor. I hear people all the time, I, I, you know, I, <laughs> I, was having, I was having dinner with some people and uh, I knew them, you know, we had common friends and so forth and so on. And, and one of them started talking about their minister. They just started talking about their minister. And Charlene reached over, and she pinched my leg, saying, because we were on vacation, she said, don't say a word. I'm going, okay. And he's going on and on, complaining about his minister. And there's about there's a table of about twenty of us, okay. And she's still pinching my leg because the more he talks, I put my fork down there. And I'm looking at him, and she's pinching me. And I'm knowing she's trying to tell me, do not do this, do not do this. These are friends, and these are potential family, and don't do this. Remember, this is in Florida. Don't do this. And then he says to me, what do you think? Yes! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Charlene, before I say anything, hides her face. She knows what's coming. I think you've been disrespectful to your minister. But no, no, he's going on, no, no. You've been disrespectful to your minister. You've spoke bad about your minister in front of me. And I happen to know your minister says, I like him. But you, you've disrespected him. That same family, another occasion came, and I gave advice for one of the sons not to vote against the pastor. Dad called me and said, I can't believe you told my son that. I'm trying to save your son's life. I like him. I shouldn't do that. No cause. No, no lack of doctrinal integrity, no morality issues. You just don't like his personality. That's disrespectful what you're doing. 
Guys, I, I see this. I hear it. People talk. Don't talk to me bad about somebody else's pastor. Don't talk to me about, man, don't do that. I don't receive that. It's disrespectful. Man, there's a lot of diversity in de- denomination and uh, biblical theology and tribal theology. And I think one day maybe we'll get beyond that tribal theology stuff. But, man, we're brothers in Christ. We're trying to present Christ. And maybe, maybe one's more charismatic than the other in belief or one is more uh, premillennial or all these various differences don't matter because we are servants of God. And there should be respect. Don't be talking about other pastors or ministers or leaders or people that are standing in the gap leading in various ministry groups in your church, men's ministries. Don't be talking about people disrespectfully. Because God has gifted people to serve for the kingdom's sake, for his glory, for the coming of the end of time. And it's bigger than about today and what I like and what I don't like. And we don't need to be disrespectful. Because if we're not careful, you see, I got a hunch those 42 guys had parents and made fun of prophets before them. That's where they learned it. It affects the next generation. Uh, Disrespect is a dangerous matter. Disrespect is an epidemic of self-destruction beyond words. I don't know about you, but you catch the image of these bears coming out and just whooping on 42 people. Okay? That's beyond words. I, I can't even imagine that. And, and you go, man, that's unbelievable. And they'd spend the rest of their days explaining why they had those scars. Guys, I think it is time the church understands the importance of respect to those that God has allowed to govern us while we may disagree and, and understand that. I think one of the tragedies, and I will say this, we have this privilege to vote, which is awesome. You should do this. But I'm going to tell you, I think one of the, one of the tragedies of the, of, the, of the Christian community is many of us have voted for economic stability rather than moral purity. And, uh, I mean, moral stability. Man, we, we, we'd rather have, well, the, the promise of economic success rather than a godly life. And our vote has reflected that in many ways over many, many years in many different ways. We follow the money. We should be following God. Just saying. But you have the chance to operate with respect when you do that. 